but our series is called Straight from the Heart. And so here's what's happening. Uh, I am talking about the convictions that God has has put and 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 has so gripped my heart recently. Um, that these are things that are right here, right now, and, and I believe these are words that need to be shared. Um, those prayers that continue to echo within us, like that's kind of what this series is about, uh, and 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 those themes that are sort of recurring. In our, and maybe within our journals, and I, I've got to admit that I haven't been good at keeping a physical, tangible prayer journal lately. Uh, I haven't been good at, at keeping those things and writing those things down and having uh, those. But but if you were to listen in on my prayers, you would hear, you you would honestly hear about different battles that I'm praying over. You would you would hear things like this: prayers for somebody fighting for their mentee who is making wrong decisions. You would hear prayers over a young person who is frustrated that they didn't get into their school of choice, the school that they thought would be perfect for them. You would hear prayers over someone dealing with anger because of a previous relationship. Prayers over somebody fighting for the spiritual life of their child. Many somebodies letting go of or wrestling with the, the covenant of marriage. Somebody fighting for employment. Somebody dealing with disappointment because they are no longer in their 20s and they don't want to be single anymore. Each one of these are very unique situations, and I pray for a lot of people that aren't just in this room, so don't look around and try to figure out who is who, is who. like it may not be in this place. But you start to see a pattern over time in, in, in certain seasons of prayer, and, and the pattern in this season for me right now is battle. Like I am battling for prayer in my own family. My dad, I mentioned him last week, he's still feeling the effects of a heart attack, and he isn't in good health right now. Jen, my wife, has been struggling with anxiety and panic for the last few weeks that she, like she hasn't experienced in a decade or more. My kids are little balls of sin that are capable of raining down destruction on my house on any given day. So when I am battling for you and I'm praying over these corporate items and, and praying personally I wonder when all of this stuff comes together, I wonder if the Lord has something to say today. So, so as I pray over these things and I'm praying over these needs and these battles and these trials and I'm praying for what people are asking for. And so I'm praying for God to heal and, and, and for God to pull that person out of or, or put that person into. And as they keep piling up, these trials keep getting higher and higher. And you start to have, I think I, think I start to have a different level of insight. So I start to have a new thought, a new revelation. Well, not really that new, more like a timely reminder that God gave me that maybe the Lord has a, a deeper discernment or a deeper dimension to prayer. So instead of just always praying about what people want, I started to kind of change my thinking a little bit. I started to pray more for what is best for that person. So not just pray for healing or taking out of or putting into, but I began to pray for God's illumination in, in the heart and in the mind and in the midst of. I began to pray for God's revelation, and I began to pray for revelation in the sight and, and in the ears, and I began to, to pray for new perspective and, and pray that in the middle of the hardship that maybe God would allow gifts to rise up out of that hardship. The Lord gives us, I think, unique insight as we dive into and embrace and, 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 and pray with, with this different level of discernment, and we begin to reorient our mind and reorient our heart. And here's where straight from the heart is for me. Here's what comes out of my heart today for you. It's this. Embrace the battle. Embrace, embrace your battle. 
That's what I want. That's what I want us to, if, like literally, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear that and I want you to walk away with that and I want you to think about that for the rest of the day. Hopefully you stay with me, but, but if, if you can't, just, just write that down and remember that. Embrace your battle. I say this every week and, and it's true every week, but, but this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Turn with me to James chapter 1. It might be familiar to many of you. Um, I'm sure we've talked about this passage at some point over the last year or two. It's one that God has used time and time again to speak into my heart and into my life. And so we're going to be in James chapter 1 for a few moments. And I'll admit, again, this is straight from the heart. And so a lot of this is, a lot of this is going to be kind of uh, just how God's been speaking to me. And, and so I'm, I'm probably using a little less scripture today than I, than I usually do. And I want to preface that because I want you to know, like, some of this is, is more opinion and feeling and, and, and God speaking into my life and my heart, but we do want to come out of the text to begin with, and I do want us to start there and finish there because that is of utmost importance. And so uh, James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Can we just start with the absurdity of this statement? Like all of us realize how crazy this sounds, right? Like, this almost reminds me of an overly optimistic parental moment whenever uh, we, we come to our kids and we tell them, like, just keep doing the, the, the chores. If you just keep doing the chores enough times, if you keep taking out the trash enough, if you keep cleaning your room enough, if you keep washing the dishes enough, you're going to start to like it. And the kid's like, what are you even talking about? Not, not even going to happen. That makes no sense. And here James says, consider it all joy. Other versions say pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when facing trials of many kinds. James, what are you even talking about, bro? Like, this blows my mind. It makes zero sense to me. I mean, who among us today would take these words, pure joy, and chase them down and then follow them with trials of many kinds? I would say not that many. So let's just try this out. Let me give you a quiz right now. And, and the question is simple. What is pure joy? What is pure joy? Okay, maybe it's not that simple. Maybe, maybe you're thinking of like various different things and what that could be. What is pure joy? Uh, okay, so let me make it even easier. I'm going to give you four options. Everybody loves multiple choice, right? Option A. What is pure joy? A perfectly cooked, medium rare New York strip steak cooked with nothing but a little bit of salt, a little pepper, some Kerrygold maybe. If you don't know about Kerrygold, you got to know. And, and some rosemary sprigs for, for a little flavor. All right, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, you're missing out. That's, that's, this is the good stuff, right? Praise God. All right, B, going to Augusta National during Master's Week. Okay, now clearly these are geared towards me. I've got the microphone. That's how this works. These are my joys, right? Option C, laying in an Eno with a good book on a sunny yet breezy day. Very key that it's a breezy day. Like the sun, also like to feel the breeze on my back as I'm laying in the hammock. Option D, get a speeding ticket on the way home from church. Okay, nobody's choosing option D, right? Clearly, we, we, we may not know what pure joy is, but we know option D is not pure joy. So let's go back to the stake and to the hammock and let's get the joy back in the room. Like, that's my happy place. That's what makes me worship God automatically. Can I get a joy sound from somebody in the house today? All right. I'm completely derailed at this point. Here we go. All right. I'm thinking about steak. My mouth is salivating. It's happening. All right. What was I even talking about? 
the point is this. Here we go. This is a crazy statement. This is a super, this is an absurd statement that James makes and, and by, by all accounts. It's, it's also like a peculiar statement. If we face any trial, our number one goal is to get out of that trial as quick as possible. Am I right? Like that's just who we are. That's how we operate. That's, that's the way this works. Let's take jury duty, for instance. You get jury duty, and tell me this, how much time do you spend thinking of an excuse to get out of jury duty? Right? We spend a lot of time. Got to have this. Almost missed it. All right. How much time do we spend thinking of how to get out of jury duty? How much creativity do you expend coming up with an excuse so that you don't have to spend a week in that courtroom? I think, here's what, I actually think this. The courtroom, I, I've been in many situations like this, and so I, I think this is true. The courtroom is the most creative room on the planet on jury selection day. Judge, my, my knee hurts. It's an old war injury. You wouldn't want to make a veteran stand here and go be in jury. Like, you start thinking of stuff. Or, or judge, my bladder is so weak, there's no way I can make it through this trial, or, or judge, my dog is sick. I heard this one. My dog is sick, and, and I need to be home with my dog and comforting my dog. I heard somebody say that one time. I thought that was funny. I mean, I, I get it, but we'll come up with any level of creativity to get out of jury duty. We have, we have hidden our family secrets, our, our dirt for 20 years, but if that will get us out of jury duty, you will sell your cousin, your brother, your dad, anything to get out of trial. We'll do anything to get out of trial. We'll do anything to get out of it. Now, I admit, I've got to admit, it's kind of easy for me. All I have to say is uh, they make you stand up. I don't know if you've ever been before. Uh, they make you stand up, and they make you say your name and, and your age and what you do for a living. And so I stand up. I say, I'm Robbie. I'm 33. And I'm a Bible-believing, God-honoring, Satan-rebuking pastor. And for some reason, they send me on my way. All right? Three times, three dismissals. Three's a holy number. Praise God. All right, I want you to think about this for just a second with me, church. When, when we go through trials in life, what do you pray? You don't pray, keep me here. You don't pray, keep me right here, God. This pain just really hits the spot. I love it. We don't pray that. We don't pray, God, thank you so much for my overbearing boss. We, we don't pray, uh, please, God, don't help me so that I can build my character. We don't pray that, do we? No, we pray, God, get me out of here. Please deliver me. Set me free. Help. These are the things that we offer up to God. These are the things that we pray. Deliver me from, from, from singleness. Deliver me from pain. Deliver me from that boss, from that person. Deliver me from hardship, from difficulty, from cancer. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So our first reaction is to seek God for deliverance. But, but what James says is that out of trial, out of difficulty, out of pain, right, like out of trial comes a complete work of God in you. Out of trial comes a perfecting. Perfecting doesn't come from the immediate deliverance. It comes 
through perseverance. Come on, somebody. A perfecting work doesn't come from an immediate deliverance. It only comes through perseverance. Perseverance only develops when, here's how perseverance actually develops. It's only when things aren't going right and they continue not to go right. And they continue not to go right and they continue to get worse and worse until perseverance starts to, to come out of us. And when perseverance shows up, then it starts to develop a completing work within us. Look, this isn't my design. This is God's design. Then it continues to develop this perfecting work which develops within us wisdom. Listen to me, there's a reason why the, the old guy at the end of the table always spews out wisdom. Why grandpa has so much wisdom to impart. It's not because he got some early deliverance from his problems, but because he has gone through some stuff. He's, he's gone through some pain and some trial. He's gone through and learned to persevere in spite of. And then God just builds this beautiful work in him or in her, and, and, and we learn from that. And that's called wisdom. But it only comes through the process. Here's our problem. We want the perfecting work, just not the path to attain it. That's our problem as a people. But you need to know this, that diamonds don't grow while sitting on the beach soaking in the sun. Come on, somebody. Diamonds grow deep down in the dirty mine shafts where the pressure begins to build and build and build until it squeezes out of the beauty that God has placed within it. Like I found this to be true in many areas of life, and, and it, it, it seems to be the thing that we avoid most is the exact thing that God, the, the, things, the, thing that, the thing that we avoid the most is the exact thing that God uses to bring out his beauty in us. Perseverance is such a strong word. You know, it's used 13 times in the New Testament. It's the idea of, of energetic resistance. Energetic resistance. Steadfastness under pressure. And this amounts to endurance in the face of trials. Let me give you another example. You know that the promised land wasn't just given, right? Like the people of God had to work and walk and go get it. And finally they cross over the Jordan River and they're on the other side and Joshua stands up and he begins to call out the people's names. And he calls out the tribes and he calls out their lands. And, but it doesn't end right there. Then what happens is they've got to go into battle to get their promise. This is a... This, this is the problem. This is why I included this in, in this particular series of, of talks, this, this straight from the heart. And, and, and here's, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we want the promise without the pain. That's, that's what we want. We want the testimony without the text. All right? We want the biscuit without the batter. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I know you don't want to amen that, but, but it's true. We want the intimacy without the transparency. We want the end of the story without going through the middle and the beginning parts because we know that they're going to be tough. But you know what? The spring is so much sweeter after the winter. The spring is so much sweeter after a tough, tough winter. We have to go through a process. The Lord is working this process out of each of us and giving us an opportunity let me ask you this. What if we viewed the trials? What if we viewed these battles as just that, an opportunity? An opportunity for growth. An opportunity for a deeper relationship with the Lord. Earlier I shared, just a moment ago I shared, that the Lord has been speaking to me, this, this idea of this, this battle, this battle within me, not just over me, but, but over Legacy City Church. So, so what does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm praying it over you. Over individuals, I'm, I'm going to battle for you. 
but you have to embrace the battle for yourself. So as the Lord is stirring, here are five convictions I want to give you today, five ideas, and I hope that maybe one or two of them are an encouragement to you this morning. Number one, efficient doesn't equal effective. Efficient doesn't always equal effective. At times, we feel that, uh, there are times that we feel the least efficient, and, and here's what I think, those are often the times where we become the most effective. Maybe you're here today and all you can think about is the fact that you're broken. There's something broken inside of you. There's something broken within you. Well, let me ask you this. Who does God use? He uses broken vessels. He uses broken people just like you and me all the time. You are exactly the person he desires to use. When you give God your weakness, what does he do? He gives you his strength. When we are weak, he is strong. When, when we are far, he is near. Let's go, church. When we are broken, he makes us whole. There's a man named Ravi Zacharias. He wrote a book called um, Has Christianity Failed You? And, and in it, he asked what is, what is the hardest moment that Jesus had in his time on earth? Powerful question. Theologically packed question. What is the hardest moment that Jesus had in his time on earth? And what, what would you think? I think most of us in here probably would say the cross, right? But, but when on the cross? Exactly. I believe it was when he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus, I want you to hear this, when Jesus felt the furthest from God, he was closest to the purpose that the Father had willed for him on this earth, which was to bring heaven to earth. Bring fallen man to the Father. When he felt the farthest and, and maybe even most useless in that moment, that is exactly when he was at the center of the Father's will. So you're in here today and you feel like you were alone or like you were so far, you were so isolated, and you can never be redeemed. And you might be sitting there saying, I can't be used in this place where I am right now. And God says, no, listen, this sounds crazy, but you are in a place where you can be most used by the Spirit of God. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Number two, I'm going to go through this quickly. Number two, uh, what you put in will come out. What you put in will come out. Jesus combated every temptation uh, early in his ministry with, with three words. It is written. All right, he spoke the word. He, he spoke the scriptures into his trials and temptations. It's such a powerful thing that God gives us the scriptures to be used in our trials. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have stored up uh, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's why we pray scripture here on some Sundays. That's why we allow people sometimes to come up front and to, to speak the word of God into the atmosphere of this room. Because what you put in will come out. What you speak into your trial in life will make a difference. It will make an impact. So, so here's what I want to challenge you with this point is to stop listening to these self-help gurus, these, these talking heads, these bloggers and social media influencers and start listening to the Father who is full of grace and truth. Start leaning on the way, the truth, and the life. Start embracing the battle so that you can come out a little closer to perfection and, and, and on the other side and a little bit more like Jesus. Is this helping somebody today? Number three, I told you I'm going to move through these quick. 
the battle might not be for you. That's a tough one. You mean I could be going through some stuff that actually isn't even for me? I could be enduring, and it might not be about me? That's a hard one, but sometimes we are hit with the reality that our battle is actually for the person that is coming behind us. And, and this is not information for the weak because the weak get up and run. The weak move out of the way. They move aside. They let the battle go past them. But, but there are some mamas in the house today, and you are fighting a battle, and you are losing that battle. But guess what? As you are losing that battle, there is this little who is going to come behind you, and they are going to fully benefit from the battle that you are fighting right now. That's the whole idea of this weekend, Memorial Day. It's about millions of soldiers who laid down their life, who fought a battle and died for somebody else to receive. So you say, okay, that soldier lost the battle because they lost their life. Well, I think that all depends on your definition of success. Success to them was, was not their life. Success to them is the life that you're living right now. How do we see that? Maybe we need to take a step back today. What is your battle? Take an overview. Just take a, just take a, just zoom way out for a second and take an overview of your battle. Do you need to redefine what success looks like in your battle? Maybe it's God looking at your situation and, and what you were fighting and your trial and saying, come on, there is purpose for that one that is coming right behind you. The one that is coming behind you is going to benefit from what you're doing and how you're suffering. If you are succeeding without suffering, odds are someone else did before you. If you are suffering without succeeding, rest assured that somebody else will benefit. Number four, your battle is your gift. Your battle is your gift. I was thinking about, and James later on in, in this chapter says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. Your battle is your gift. And if it's a gift from God, then it's a perfect gift. A gift that God gives you specifically, individually, uniquely. That's why we have to embrace that battle. Our path to, to church planning was uh, a little unusual, a little atypical. First of all, most church planners connect with a church planting organization that will train and help with funding. We didn't do that. Not because we couldn't. In fact, I was on track to join a very solid church planning network, um, but God opened doors very quickly for us, and things changed rapidly. But that came with difficulties and not having adequate funding and not having designated mentors to bounce things off of. Church planting, uh, church planners also generally have 12 to 18 months of ramp-up time to research a community, to develop a core team, to uh, raise money, raise funds, and, and get things ready. Um, we went from concept to core team meeting to launching this church in eight months. Again, praise God, but there were many difficulties and trials along the way because of this short runway. Finally, church planners tend to have a sending church, someone to share the load with, someone to be in the trenches with. Sadly, we didn't have this. In fact, the transition to church planning was at times downright discouraging and outright painful. But can I say this without going into too much more detail here this morning? 
in retrospect, I am glad at how difficult it was. I am glad at how difficult it was. Now, I think the normal person would say, what are you talking about? Why are you glad that you went through difficulties? Why are you glad that, that you went through trials? Well, it's exactly what James says, pure joy in trials of many kinds. Pure joy in these trials. I am glad at how difficult it was. If it had been easy, we wouldn't have received what we have received. I know that I am stronger. I am more of a developed person. I am more of a prepared shepherd because of what God brought us through. My family was more prepared for the difficulties of church planning because of the hardships. There were times where I doubted my calling. There were times where I felt like giving up. There were times where the funding wasn't coming in, and it seemed like this dream was going to die before it ever even really got started. But I'm so glad that God brought me through that. I'm so glad that I can humbly stand here as your pastor and tell you this morning that I am stronger for the adversity. I am more capable because of the adversity. I am more devoted to God and his kingdom work because of the adversity. My battle was my gift. I'm praising God for what he has done. It's amazing that God can bring purpose out of pain. He can bring purpose out of your pain. He can do that. If you're in pain today, I want you to know, if, again, scratch the first part. If you don't hear anything else this morning, if you are in pain, understand and know that God can bring purpose out of that pain. I say this all the time. It's not that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. He doesn't give you more than he can handle. You've got it. Number five. And I've, I've said this before, I love this. Uh, don't be so focused on getting out of the battle that you fail to get anything out of the battle. Don't be so focused on getting out of battle that you fail to get anything out of the battle. I say this often in various different ways. But so often we try to get away from the trials, from the difficulty, from the hardships in our life. We don't want to face that battle. Uh, we we want to go and hide until the battle like mysteriously goes away. But listen to me, church, if you don't fight that battle, if you don't face that adversary, the, you cannot reap the spoils of victory. Because make no mistake, we are promised victory. Come on, somebody, in this life or after. Jesus says, fear not, I have overcome the world. In 1 Peter 4, it says, beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. It's going to happen. We're going to see it. We're going to feel it. Something that we are not quick to accept is that sometimes we need to go through times of trial and, and, and testing. It's for our good. God knows what he's doing. It's easy for us to complain to God and try to get out of going through the trial, but we need to understand that, that often God allow, allows the trials to come because they are actually for our good. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. and We're going to kind of prepare for a time of, of worship and, and, and prayer as we close out and sort of wrap up this morning. C.S. Lewis uh, coined a phrase that, that I've, I've found to be true. Um, he says, uh, he said this, God's joy is retroactive. And he explains it. It reaches back into the pain and into the sorrow of yesterday, and it sweetens those things so that the memory of those things now is a memory of the working of God in your heart. I wish I could write as eloquently as C.S. Lewis wrote. 
This is why we sing about the cross. Is it because the cross is such a beautiful thing? No, it was, it was horrible. The cross was a torturous symbol of execution. It was a terrible thing. But we sing about it as such a beautiful thing because God took such a terrible thing and he used it to bring forgiveness to you and me. To bring life to you and me. To bring love and to bring hope and to bring goodness into our lives. So, so now what was a torturous symbol of death and destruction and defeat is now a symbol of profound joy. And we sing about a cross that God used to save us. God's joy is retroactive. Romans 8.28 is our last verse. I want us to, to end with this one. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things, all trials, all temptations, all testings, all sufferings, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Church, I want you to, this, uh, this morning I just want you to think about this. Embrace your battle. What purpose does God desire to bring out of your pain? How can you embrace the season, embrace the person, embrace the hardship in a way that God will use to develop you? How, uh, where are you seeking deliverance, but instead you need to develop perseverance? What battle have you been trying to win for yourself, but today you realize that you need to fight it for somebody else? Here's what I want us to do. We're going to go ahead and stand up, and we're going to sing in just a moment. And, and, and we're going to pray, and we're going to spend a moment doing that. So if you go ahead and stand to your feet, I want us to receive the presence of God. I want us to receive his presence this morning as we embrace our battle here today. We're going to pray together in a moment, but let's get our minds and our, our hearts set on fighting out battles with the Lord at our side. The Lord at our front. The Lord at our rear surrounding us, all around us. We are surrounded by a God that loves us, surrounded by a God who cares for us enough to reach into our lives and to refine us. We are surrounded by a God that wants to be in relationship with each one of you in this room. He wants to stand beside you as you fight your battle. You know what else is he fights our battles for us? Scripture tells us he goes before us and he fights those battles for us. And so as we, as we sing, as we pray, I want us to uh, ask God to show us here in this place how he is using this battle that you're facing to make you stronger or to impact someone else. Let's ask that he wouldn't just remove, remove the battle from you, but that he would elevate you from within the battle. That he would speak into your heart and into your life with, from within the battle. And that you would see him move in mighty and miraculous and amazing ways. Can he deliver? Absolutely. He is a God of deliverance. Believe that. But also know that in the midst of the battle, he is working. He is doing something incredible and doing something amazing. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to have a time of prayer in just a moment. Um, as we do every Sunday. But what I want us to do first is I want us to, like I said, I want us to set our mind and our hearts on the Spirit of God and how He is fighting for you. And, and, and I, I had a point, I had a six point that I kind of left out because it seemed very generic. But it's the point of prayer. The power of prayer in the midst of your battle 
can't be beat. So here's what I want us to do. I don't know where you're at, and we'll come back and we'll pray and we'll do some things. But, but right now, I want, you to, I want you to pray as you sing. I want you to praise as you sing. I want us to recognize today that prayer is an important way to fight your battles and that God surrounds us in the midst of our battles. And so let's sing that out. Let's pray that together. This is our final battle. 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 This is our sing it out. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how it may look. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. How true is that? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how it may look. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Sing it to me. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. See you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. Cause this is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. This is how I find my battle. This is how.
want to go into a time of prayer. We do this every Sunday. It looks a little different each and every week. And this morning, here's what I want to do. If there's anybody in here that would be willing and bold enough to say, don't have to say what it is, but bold enough to say, I'm fighting a battle right now. I am enduring a trial right now. I just want you to lift your hand up. Just put it high in the air so people can see it. There's a lot of hands. There's a lot of battles going on in this room. Leave your hand up for me. Leave your hand up. If you do not have your hand lifted, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move toward somebody near you that has their hand lifted. I want you to maybe just reach a hand out toward them so that you can, you can pray for them in this moment. We're going to pray over the hands that are lifted in this room because it says, well, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Well, guess what? We are in the presence of God in this house this morning. We have the Holy Spirit in each and every person that calls out the name of Jesus. And so we are literally surrounded by God in this place. And so we're going to pray over the hands that are lifted. We're going to pray for the battles that are, that are being fought right now. And so if you just go ahead and move right now. If you need to get near somebody, if you want to lay a hand on a shoulder, if you want to lift a hand and outreach toward that person, then go ahead and do that because I want us to pray over. We'll give you just a minute and then I'm going to pray as well. I want you just to reach out, pray for that person. Maybe you don't know their name. Say, hey, I'm praying for a hat. I'm praying for orange shirt. I'm playing, praying for black shirt. That's okay. Just whoever it is, just reach out and pray for them. Pray for that battle in this place. Go ahead and do that right now. Pray aloud. Let's pray over these battles. It looks like I'm but I'm surrounded by you. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Through the name of Jesus, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. God, I pray over each and every person that had their hand lifted in this place this morning. God, we know that you are a God of deliverance. We know that you could step in and you can pull us out of any situation at any given time. We believe that wholeheartedly. God, we trust you and we believe in your purposes. We believe in your plans. We believe in how you are working all things for good and for your glory. And so, God, we lean into that this morning. If we lifted our hands up and said we are in the midst of a battle, we are in the midst of a trial, we pray, God, that we can look beyond that, that we can take an overview, step back, and we can say, how are you moving? How are you working? How are you perfecting us? How are you making us a little bit more like Jesus each and every day? How are you sanctifying us? God, I pray that we can step into that, we can lean into that, we can view the battles that we are facing as a gift. God, I pray that we can view 
these battles as a means to drawing us closer to yourself. Drawing us closer to your son, Jesus. So God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the battles that we're facing. They might not be easy. They might not have a positive outlook. But God, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, that you keep us, and that you are seeking to bring glory out of our situation. And we pray to that end here this morning. We love you so much, God.